think that it's it's hard to be transparent, you know, and uh, I think something that works against us on social media is that we're trying to, we talked about this with inbound marketing strategies, like you try to gather an audience and then out of that, you want to cultivate relationships yep. and like bring people into a funnel. And whether we're doing that intentionally, like for a business or whether we're doing that unintentionally, just on our personal accounts, yep. in the back of my mind, there's always this, oh, I want to gathering people. You know, and uh, I think we humans are really good at pattern recognition. Yeah. And and even when you put out a comment like, you know, this was a really tough year for me, and you get a lot of feedback, that's going to be in the back of your mind all year long. Welcome to the Social Media Church Podcast. I'm Neil Smith, joined by my soon-to-no-longer-be. You just gave it away. Nick Runyon. (laughs) Nick, welcome to the podcast. Say goodbye to the podcast. This is your final episode as a co-host, but not your final episode. Let's be clear about that. Nick, you're making a big life transition. Uh, I would love for you to share with the listeners what's going on in the world of Nick Runyon. (laughs) um yeah it is a welcome back to the podcast because i don't think you and i've recorded an episode since this summer it's been (laughs) and so just uh, for full disclosure i uh called nils the other day and i said hey look before you fire me i'm going to resign my position as co-host and i said you're Uh, fired before (laughs) that's right um i used to build houses with my dad and he would make this joke that if you fall off the roof you're fired before you hit the ground (laughs) yes i've heard that before um but uh no it's been it's been great i've said many times uh, both online and offline that one of the things i love about this podcast is that it was originally conceived by dj who then handed it to you and jay yeah, and then jay stepped out and asked you asked yep. me to come on board and now i'm passing the torch to uh a future co-host so yes it's been a yes. lot of fun thank you nils it has been a lot of fun, and we uh, we have actually seen each other multiple times without recording a podcast. So we are yeah. just like Jay and I. Uh, we are close friends. Uh, I actually saw D- DJ was in New York came came to uh, Ilsong with Katie and I on Sunday, um, and so the uh, the circle of trust within the Social Media Church podcast <laughs> is deep. Um, and uh, we had we all have our own our tattoo uh, that that we have, and so we have that. Right comments you'll always have the tattoo you're gonna get me in uh, trouble because my mom's a regular listener and she's gonna question my tattoos so yeah my mom doesn't even know how to play a podcast and so i'm impressed uh, that you're <laughs> a regular listener. there's but a lot of people impressed so with my you're, mom you're going you're you're going through a lot of it's been obviously a lot of fun having you on the podcast you've added a unique fresh voice our relationship uh is so fascinating we both love telling the story of how we met in a random meeting in new york city and uh, I was running Searchable Church, and then you took that to literally spending millions of Google's dollars to help churches um, reach people through Google searches, and uh, just it's been fun. And then we've been taking a lot of what we learn uh, together and, and share that here on the podcast. So it's been fun. But talk about what you're doing now in your in your real life. Yeah, um, I want to encourage anybody that uh, has recently made a New Year's resolution or you're thinking about making a big change. Um, from my perspective, I would say go for it. I, uh, this last year, we've, um, we've walked a path that's been very, um, 
unpredictable, I would say. Uh, maybe even, you know, more than a year ago, I started to just think about it's all, it's all multifaceted. You know, our yeah. lives are not uh, clear cut and straightforward. Often when we look back or when we tell stories, um, they appear to be very straightforward. Mm -hmm. uh, and you track people on Instagram or whatever, and it looks like, oh, it's like good to good to good to good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, life doesn't happen that way, no. folks. And yeah. like everybody listening knows that. Um, and I want to just acknowledge that the last year, 18 months, maybe two years, has been full of some pretty big and hard decisions. But um, one of the things that I've loved is that uh, Debbie, my wife, has just been like right there. Mm -hmm. uh, these have been our decisions that we've made together. And that's been a really fun experience for us um, as a couple. But also the Lord has been really good. Just yep. a lot of wisdom has been granted, <laughs> given much more wisdom uh, and clarity uh, in some of these decisions and the decision-making process than I feel like I deserve or certainly obtain or hold myself, you know, yeah. so it's easy to look back and say, Oh man, God was directing our path. Um, I, uh, I made a decision to leave Christian vision um, and transition that team over um, to Bryce, who is now uh, doing a great job. I continue to keep yeah. in touch with them. Um, and then Lord and Lady Edmiston, who I reported to at Christian vision continue to just be uh, a joy to communicate with and uh, I count them among my best of friends. And uh, when I when I told uh, Lady Edmiston that I was thinking about leaving, she said, you know, we knew you're a starter. We didn't expect you to be here forever. Uh, she said, I don't think we expected you to leave so soon. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that uh, has just been a great privilege yeah. is to work with Bryce and the team to build CV outreach. Yeah. And, it got to a point where it's like, you know what, this thing is going and somebody else needs to take it forward yep. from here. Yep. Um, I, I like the start. Now it's a growth phase and, and the team is doing incredibly well. I was talking to people on the team just this weekend, um, you know, six months removed from when I left. Yeah. Uh, so that's all good. And I just want to, I think, make acknowledge that and make that, you know, public because people tend to always think like what happened or they want to know what happened. Yep. What happened was, uh, there's a progression and somebody else needs to take yeah. this forward who's gifted at growing it. Yep. Um, and so that's what's happening now. And I'm, I'm really pleased with that. Yeah. Wait, and, um, and Nick, I think it, it is, um, it, it's worth celebrating here. What, what happened uh, there? And, and I think about, I mean, I think our paths intersecting were, were so significant and what developed there of, I had a vision for, it drove me nuts. I talked about it on this podcast all the time of Google is giving churches $10,000 a month. Why aren't we using it? I'm going to just go do it for you. And I realized how hard it was from a, a management perspective uh, that I was running into walls. And when you said, I'd like to do it, I'm like, here are the keys, take it. <laughs> yeah. uh, but because somebody else has the same vision, but I just don't have the energy to do it and you took it and ran and literally i mean i i don't know if you have numbers you could even share but millions of people reached through google's dollars on behalf of the local church connecting them to the local church what you built nick is so significant and what is continuing to grow uh now that you've left is is incredible and significant and i know rewarding to you that it's not just disappeared because that's what often happens when the the starter leaves 
but but it is uh, continuing, and so it, it really is significant. And you've now been gone for over six months, um, and so it, it really um, it's been fun to see that transition from the outside looking in. Uh, so I just want to celebrate that. It's, it's, I know it's not natural to just celebrate. Here's all the things that I did. Um, but what you did in that leadership role was incredibly significant and continues to be. And I, I want to say any church, if you're not a part of CV outreach, go become a part of CV outreach. Um, it's free. Um, and it's incredible. Uh, it just like when I hear about churches not being a part of CV outreach, I'm like, what, tell me, give me one good reason uh, why you're not yeah. a part of this. Um, Nick, I want to though talk, we, you and I did not talk about this. We, we did talk about what we're going to talk about on this podcast. Uh, but when you said, when you started the line, um, if you're thinking about doing this, uh, do it. I was kind of like, is he going to say, don't do it? Is he going to say, do it? Because I've, I've experienced your journey with you as your friend. Yeah. And I know it hasn't been easy. I know, I know it's been you following God's leading, you and Debbie both. Um, but I, but I know you've hit walls. You've got, you know, 27 kids, uh, that you're moving <laughs> across the country. Well, we had a big failure. We had a big failure this year too. You yeah. Know, so, um, you want to share about that here? Yeah, I'm happy to. So, you know, I have a, a an agency called media tractor, um, that you've helped, you know, yep. you and I've done a bunch of work together through that. And, uh, that was something that, really grew. We have a great set of clients that um, allowed us to, um, it allowed us to have margin actually, and just look yeah. at like, okay, if we wanted to um, set our family up and set ourselves up, uh, what would that look like? Yeah. Our kids. Yeah. I do have a bunch of kids. We have five kids and my oldest is starting high school next year. My youngest is three. Um, and we've recognized that this is um, like, these are the, the good old days that we're living in right now. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a foundational, like formational time for our family. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of friends, um, some deep connections, great church relationships um, back in Bozeman, Montana, which is yeah. where I live today. And so we just started thinking a couple of years ago about like, what would it look like to move back to, to Montana and raise our kids there? It's where our oldest boys were born. Yeah. Um, we've moved a lot. You know, uh, in my life, I've moved a lot, but also since Debbie and I've been married, we've moved, I think, 13 times. Yeah. And so we said, okay, let's just, you know, put a place on the map and see if we can do it there. Media Tractor allowed us to make that move. Yeah. Uh, something else that made a lot of sense was uh, I have some good friends here and business partners. We started a new venture to commercialize a patent portfolio. And uh, I'll just give the cliff notes. We had about $2 million in funding lined up. We, I was the COO. We were um, being invited into some of the largest trade shows and industry groups. Um, we were chairing uh, some of those speaking committees for some of these shows. And I'm obviously not giving industry details because yeah. it doesn't matter at this point. Yeah. But um, the whole thing fell apart. <laughs> the whole thing fell apart on... Um, really just uh, licensing deals on the IP and uh, it's unfortunate all the way around. Yeah. I can't say too much about it and I don't want to say too much about it, but um, there's a shared disappointment. Uh, thankfully it, it failed before we took on any money. When I say, when I say we had investment lined up, 
we had people that were willing to commit under certain conditions and those conditions couldn't be met. So yeah. that's, that's the details. And I, yeah. I was meeting recently with our, our co-founder and just said, uh, you know, look, we joined the ranks of the 95% of startups that didn't get off the ground. So uh, let's put one up on the board and we'll move on. Yeah. Um, so what I love is that uh, it was a great idea, great concept. We got a lot of validation in the market. Yep. And I learned a ton about raising investment and the complexities of bringing on um, venture capital or seed capital really was the round, the phase that we were at. Yeah. Uh, and just how difficult that is, you know? Yes. So um, personally, I feel better prepared for the next one. It's like, what's, what's the next deal, you know? And, so, And that's rare because most of us in your shoes would have burnt out and, and just said, I am done with, with these kinds of, of businesses and these kinds of things. And, uh, and you have gotten up and, uh, and just kept going and are encouraging others to go. And if you're feeling that itch to go and do, um, and, and I want to turn this conversation to social media a little bit because I've had a tough year this year and I, and I shared about it recently on social media. I've gotten a lot of private messages that, that have been very encouraging, but, but people that were shocked. I, I posted that 2019 was one of my hardest years and people were like, wait, you look like you're on a constant vacation in New York city. What do you mean? You know, like yeah. you went to Australia and you, um, you know, like, like what, what could be bad about your life? You know, um, and, and I think the reality is, Nick, that we, we shared and you said we go from good to good to good on social media. Um, I don't think people want to hear about my tough days. Um, I think people need to know that not everybody's Instagram world is, is total reality if they're comparing their life to everyone else. What, what, what's your take on just being real and authentic and just and sharing the good and what, what that what that does. Like, I, I think this is just a wrestle of, uh, because I also have people that I follow on social media that gets so, it's so irritating of like, man, they're always sick. They've always got a problem. They've always got a kid that, that they're complaining about or a broken down car. Does that make sense? So what, what, I guess I'm curious your thoughts on authenticity on social media is, is maybe, and I don't know if that's the right word, but transparency with the hard times. Cause you, you also didn't share about your, business failure on Instagram or social media. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, and I think for good reason, but uh, I don't know. I'm curious. This is just a wrestle of mine. I'm, I'm curious your thoughts. So just, uh, I think I'm getting kicked out of the conference room. I was waiting okay. for you to end. Cause maybe we can like mark this on the time. Nick, I'm curious your thoughts on that. Um, I think that it's, it's hard to be transparent, you know, and well, one of the, I think something that works against us on social media is that we're trying to, um, we talked about this with inbound marketing strategies. Like you try to gather an audience and then out of that, you want to cultivate relationships yeah. and like bring people into a funnel. Um, and whether we're doing that intentionally, like for a business or whether we're doing that unintentionally just on our personal accounts Yeah. in the back of my mind, there's always this, Oh, I want to, uh, I want to be, um, gathering people, you know, and, uh, I think we, humans are really good at pattern recognition. Yeah. And, and even when you put out, um, a comment like, you know, this was a really tough year for me and you get a lot of feedback, like 
that's going to be in the back of your mind all year long as you, yeah. as you craft new posts. Uh, we worked with a ministry recently, you, you and I did together. And as we were reviewing some of their stuff, we saw that uh, they have a huge audience. They do a great job at gathering people together. But yeah. as a Christian ministry, when they posted, hey, pray for so-and-so, that was their least liked, least engaged, like by yeah. all the metrics, that was the worst performing post. Yeah. And so there's these very real patterns that people are feeding back to us that they don't want to hear about your problems. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think about this, I've been thinking about this a lot recently, actually, uh, because as I've reflected on the year, um, I mean, we've lost some friends, you know, yeah. uh, that struggled with, you know, depression and mental health. Um, but you look at social media profiles and like life is good. Yeah. Yeah. And just people, just every, all of us remember yep. that it's just social media. Like you can't compare your known day to day to people's cultivated and curated social media experiences. Yeah. It's a false comparison. Yep. And we shouldn't be comparing ourselves anyway. And we all know it, but it's just, these are some of the dangers uh, of just context and perspective as we're yeah. dealing on these platforms. Yep. Um, our pastor here, uh, we're, we're attending a great church here in Bozeman, which we love. And we've known, I've known the lead pastor since I was 19 years old. Yeah. Um, and we're starting a relationship series later in the year. And he just asked, you know, if, if I would kind of speak from my perspective on that. So yeah. this is one of the things that I've been, thinking about with transparency and with social media and it's like the rest of the world is not going to take the same perspective or platform that that we want like yep. to take in an altruistic way so say i want to be completely transparent and vulnerable yep. nobody else is is going to do that you shouldn't yep. assume that they're going to like follow your lead yeah so then you're just setting yourself up for this this false comparison i i don't know it's complicated um but it we is. can't uh we can't like in a relationship context, for example, like I can't review my social media timelines and get an accurate representation of, of my, my week or my year or my life based on the posts that I was putting out there. Yeah. Um, and we can't fool ourselves into believing that those timelines that we see posted are our reality. Yes. When I think it's tough for ministry leaders because we, um, I think, I mean, I think about even practically before social media, um, I, I was told in ministry that I, if I was to drink alcohol or buy alcohol, I had to do that at least 10 miles away from the church. Um, is that authenticity? Does that make sense? And I understand, right. I still understand why we had that rule of whether they understood it or not. They didn't know if it was my first drink or my 20th drink. Uh, there, there, there was rationale that was logical that was not trying to be deceptive. Um, that just let's not let's not give anybody the idea to think, you know, otherwise. And so, yeah. um, I, it just it's complicated. And and so you you mentioned you know lossing loss of friends, and I think you know people listen to this podcast know Jared, and uh, Jared is a friend of ours and a close friend of yours. And uh, Jared was also a guy that was very transparent about his struggles on social media. Um, and, and so it just, I would say that, man, that's something I've been wrestling with this year and, and, and Jared's loss has been very significant with that is, um, and, and I think as you think about, as you're pastoring your congregants, not just 
you yourself with your friends, but for people in and ministry leaders, you, you, there's a, there's a feeling that you need to be perfect, you know, that you need to uh, have it together. Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know the right answer here of we need to be authentic. Uh, but, but I don't also don't think we need to share all of our frustrations, complaints and hurts and illnesses. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just, I don't, I don't know how to manage this balance, but it's a tension that I think we're all wrestling with and just probably just need to be honest about. Well, and I was just going to say, and I'll, I'll do this on your behalf as well, but um, if you're listening to this and you're like in that space and you're struggling, yeah. please call me, message me and Nils as well. Uh, you can reach out to us. Like we're, we are both a safe place and I would rather have a really hard conversation than um, go another day knowing that a brother or sister is struggling in that space. Yeah. I, I appreciate that there was a siren going in the background right when that yeah. was happening. Uh, it was appropriate. It, uh, yes. And I would say seek help. You know, I mean, if you're, uh, and, and that there are people in ministry that are dealing with very real things yeah. and feel like they can't, uh, seek help, um, and, uh, seek help. And it is, um, yeah, I'm, I'm personally, I've gotten into counseling this year and it's been one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Um, and, and been so helpful for me. So Nick, we want to talk about technology though, a little bit more, uh, that's a serious conversation, but before we get into that though, we haven't gotten to where you've landed. Uh, we, we kind of got to <laughs> yeah. the failure, but, but you have, uh, you have been on a roller coaster this year. Um, and so share, share where you've landed personally from a professional standpoint. Yeah. So there's a company called PFL.com that, uh, I actually began my career with, um, right out of college. Well, right out of college, I became a ski instructor in Montana. Yes. And then, uh, when Debbie and I got married and we were living out here, I had kind of this like time to get a real job moment <laughs> and, uh, PFL was hiring uh, and there was one other dot-com in town in Bozeman, Montana, uh, called Right Now Technologies that later got bought by Oracle. And they were about ready to go public. So yeah. for those that don't know, Bozeman, Montana is this interesting, like, ski town. It's a college town. But there's also a growing and really thriving technology community. We've got a couple of um, strong, like, growing companies like PFL. Um, but then also a lot of startups that are doing some really interesting stuff in like uh, drone technology. There's a lot of um, like uh, earth mapping and LIDAR kind of stuff out here, I think comes out of the university. Um, I talked to a guy the other day that is building a, a digital asset management platform. Um, he's a former pro skier, then uh, worked with Jimmy Chin and some of these like extreme sport filmmakers guys, and then is now developing software for that space. So some, yeah, some great communities here, but uh, it's one of the things that attracted us back to Bozeman. Yeah. Uh, so for that, for that startup that we talked about earlier, I actually pitched the CEO of PFL um, for investment. <laughs> okay. He's part of an angel investment community here in town. And uh, that was funny to have him in the room because he was uh, simultaneously reaching out to me saying, Hey, I heard you back in town and uh, we have an open position for chief marketing officer and we'd really like you to consider it. So um, there's a couple of things that captured my imagination about PFL. Uh, recently they've, we've accepted a $25 million investment from Goldman Sachs, which is 
um, public knowledge. And uh, we have roots as a printing company, um, like commercial printing. We were one of the first, we were the first company to figure out how to take any digital file and process that to a print ready PDF where you can print it on like a professional printing press. So this has always been interesting to me. I was, I, I'm hopping around this story actually. Uh, I started my career as the marketing director at PFL way back in the day. So I was here previously for six years. So how long ago was that? Like 15 years ago, 12 years ago? 12 years ago, yeah. 12 years ago, yeah. Um, so we were on the Inc. 500 list uh, three years in a row, one of the fastest growing companies in the country, and really grew this company by developing a metric-based approach to digital marketing and advertising yep. in that e-commerce e space. Yep. And um, I loved it. Actually, a lot of what I learned here, I took into my role with Global Media Outreach and then later Christian Vision. Yep. Um, so kind of blending that mission and, and marketing perspective, which yep. I've greatly enjoyed. It's been a pleasure of my yeah. life. Um, coming back into town, so our C CEO is talking to me about this recent investment, and they've really now pivoted from um, printing to a vertically integrated marketing technology software solution. Yep. Yep. So we build software that integrates with things like Salesforce and Oracle Marketing Cloud. These are like enterprise level um, sales marketing technologies. Yeah. And we take digital marketing signals and we help marketers create multi-channel marketing efforts um, to lead to you know, sales growth and, and increased connections. And yep. um, it's, it's fascinating to me because we deal a lot with digital marketing. Yep. Um, I've made a career out of it. But what we're seeing is like 89% of uh, enterprise level marketers are saying that when they combine digital marketing efforts with things like direct mail and yep. physical mail, so maybe I'll send a box to you with highly personalized, highly customizable Yep. Um, content and messaging included yep. in that package when that's coordinated in a timely way with yep. your digital marketing and your sales process it just produces incredible results yeah so uh it was something that i immediately became very intrigued by and i think yes. appealed to on a personal scale just appealed to um learning something new i mean uh I've long been interested in software development and, um, you know, companies in the digital space like PFL and to engage at, you know, uh, a level that, you know, we're dealing with some of the world's largest companies, LinkedIn as a client, Google as a client, um, SAP. I mean, I could go down the list. There's a lot yeah. of big logos that are, in our portfolio and we're, and we're presenting to them a solution that doesn't exist anywhere else. Mm. Um, which I just personally found fascinating. Yes. And, yes. Uh, you know, we have, we have a goal out there in the future. We want to uh, grow this company and, and see what happens beyond oh, that. But, I love it, man. Um, I've, I've been fascinated learning from you on this. And, and honestly, while I've been at Dunham and company, I've learned how significant direct mail still is. Uh, and, and I would yeah. say still, it's it's different though than it 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 isn't necessarily this mass mailing like we always did, um, but but the physical touch and so I, I do think there's some relevance 
to the church and maybe we can have a future conversation about this, but, but I will say just from a donor standpoint is when, when somebody, uh, one of our clients gives a digital uh, gift, we have found that when we mail a physical receipt, a second gift is higher than if we just email a, a, a receipt uh, from that gift. Um, and so physical touch, there is something about that physical touch that uh, has impact from a, a decision-making standpoint. And so I fully understand the business concept of it. I think that there's something really there for the church as well. Uh, yeah. But I think that's a future conversation. Well, uh, uh, let me... Big conversation. Let me tee it up, uh, tee it up. because I, I completely agree with you. Uh, it's interesting. My, my background is, is clearly visible, you know, online, yeah. and it's a non-secular background. And so I got a call the other day from one of our account executives, and he said, hey, I'm working with this large Christian nonprofit. Um, they have engaged us to try to understand how uh, PFL might be able to help them with their multi-channel efforts. Yeah. Can you, like, join this call and talk about, you know, like, yeah help help him uh, our account exec help me understand like how does this use case work and i started diving in i'm like oh this makes perfect sense to me you have email uh a, um like email workflows yeah. say it is for a donation request or say you have like a some type of opportunity that um you know it's like year-end giving or maybe there's some kind of disaster relief campaign or something yeah. you can start emailing people on your newsletter list and you have these email um, sequences that are introducing the problem, telling the story, requesting donation. Yeah. What's happened in the past is for like 90 cents a piece, these nonprofits are, are mailing a letter to every single person in their database, yep. which is like hundreds and hundreds of thousands yes. of dollars. Yes. What our software allows you to do is understand who's being driven to action out of just digital. Yep. Who needs digital plus an extra touch. And then yep. who's only going to be direct mail. Yeah. So the end result is by selling into these large nonprofits, this software solution, we're actually helping them save hundreds of thousands of dollars a year because yes. they're being very smart and measured yes. about their spend. Uh, it, you don't have to have a huge customer database. Like a, a church can replicate this same type of activity. Yep. It, it, albeit more manually, but you can, yep. you can replicate the same thing. I'd love to talk about that in the future because yeah. it's, it's something I didn't, it's something I didn't expect was be able to uh, save nonprofits money um, and help them be more effective at their ministry. Yeah. Um, so with this software solution. Just what technology is doing um, for everything um, is, is so interesting. Fascinating. Well, Nick, you made a prediction at the end of 2018 going into 2019 that I want to talk about on this podcast. Uh, that prediction was that what I'll let you share what that prediction was. So I predicted that uh, we were talking about um, home speakers. Yes. So we talked about several things. Uh, but voice but this, technology. Yeah. But voice technology and this one in particular stood out to me. I predicted that Alexa and Amazon Echo in 2019 would separate from Google and be the clear leader in the home speaker space. Yes. And I'm going to say that that prediction came true yeah and and i am going to agree with you um <laughs> that i think that that has primarily come true but i will say that there are people now i think from a a people buying it number standpoint for sure 
Um, I have people though that, that are in the Google. Now I'm a Google guy. I'm in the Gmail world. I've got a Chromebook now. People know that. But listen, I'm about to get the Pixel phone. Uh, I've been saying that for a year, but I am going to get the Pixel phone. Um, uh, I've secretly been shopping Pixels without telling you. I think yes. I'm making the switch from my Pixel as well. So, <laughs> so, so I'm a Google for Cheryl guy. Cheryl but... and all my other Google friends, uh, I'm coming over your way. We're coming. We're coming. But... <laughs> Uh, but, but people that have the Google home swear by, it. and they're like, oh, it's, I mean, people would be like, oh, it's so much better. So much better. I'm like, there's not as many devices that connect to it. It's I've, and so you and I both have both devices. Um, and, and I find that we use, and I can't say her name because I've got three of them here in this room and, and they will talk to me if I do, but we use the Amazon one, uh, way more often. Uh, now I will say that the g1 because uh, i can't say that either will um will 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 give me if i'm looking if i'm searching for something like i'm searching for an answer it gives me more, better answers but when it comes to controlling our home and our and our mu music and all of that the a1 is way better <laughs> so that's that's kind of my two cents so i think you're right now what i am hearing too from my friends in uh australia is they Google is like 70%. Amazon is like 20%. Now they don't even use Amazon uh, Prime and things like that are not very common uh, yet there. And so the infrastructure isn't quite, Amazon's infrastructure isn't quite in Australia. So mm, globally, I do think Google might have a leg up, but here in the US, it sure seems like Amazon is owning the space. And then Siri has is basically non-existent. And it is apps. I mean, I feel like this is that Amazon has taken a page from Apple's playbook. You know, they yes. made a huge bet on apps with the iPhone and the yes. apps through the iPhone and iTunes were better I, from my experience. And this is, you know, yes. the Android, you know, hardcore Android users will do, are going to disagree. But I think the apps and that just whole ecosystem for yep. ease of use is much better and stronger on the iPhone. I think that that's what uh, Amazon has done as well, because you're exactly right. Like I can, I can set up sequences. Uh, their Alexa app is great. It's easy yes. to use. I can say, program it to where I say good morning and she starts running down. Like, here's the time of day. Here's the forecast for the day. I get yes. the snow report because I want to yes. know if I'm going skiing <laughs> yep. today or if I'm yep. going to work. Uh, and then, um, you know, that stuff is much simpler on the yes. Amazon side. And that's why I think that they're winning today. Well, on and I, search, I, I, I agree with thing. you though. I've got my Amazon Echo Buds right here, which have replaced my uh, Apple AirPods. Uh, they are cheaper, better. Uh, they have Alexa built into them. And so I have Alexa in my ear. It's basically Bose pass-through and noise canceling technology built into them. They're too big. Uh, I still, they're, they're too big for the pocket. That's my one complaint. <laughs> too big? Too big? Yes, they're too big. Uh, you just described a magical device that l can fit in your pocket, but yes. you're complaining about the size. That's my one complaint. That's I've ridiculous. Got one complaint about this device. <laughs> It doesn't work as good as AirPods for phone calls too. That's my other complaint, uh, but uh, it works pretty good. Uh, the AirPods are amazing for phone calls. Uh, yeah, they are. I, I will give them that credit. And filtering out background noise, they're really, really it's good. Amazing. It's amazing. I mean, for the person on the other end, like they I can, can hear just do you. A phone call in the streets of New York uh, yeah. with AirPods, and people are like, "It's." I'm like, "Can you not hear those?" They're like, "No, it sounds like you're in a quiet conference room." Yeah, it's they amazing. are incredible. 
Um, but I say that say I'm in I'm in agreement. I'll, Nick, I will count your prediction as correct um, because I think it's right. I have a feeling we'll get some people that use the hashtag hashtag SMC podcast. A little plug there for the podcast for the hashtag uh, that will disagree um, and still believe Google Home won it. It is not definitive, uh, but I think it's going, definitive. I said it. Yeah. Okay, you said it. <laughs> it. It must be true. Nick, let's talk predictions for 2020. Now we can say social media technology, any predictions uh, that yeah. you, you want to just lay down now for 2020? Yes. So I predict for 2020 that, and this is broad, so it's, um, I don't know how fair this is. I predict that m- the marketing technology that you can insert into your technology stack as an add-on yes. will revolutionize the way that you can drive engagement with your audience in 2020. So you got to speak English. I want to, I want to clarify what I'm, yes. Yeah. What, so there are more and more apps and yes. um, solutions that are hitting the market every day that allow you to um, segment and target people much more deeply it's much better uh facebook has been in the news all year long about the negative implications of this and i'm going to say facebook pixel is an example of what i'm talking about Mm. if you're if you have a facebook account for your church but you haven't yet made that a business account started ad manager you go to business.facebook.com to set all that up and get your data pixel on your website. And then and it takes some research. I mean, you, this, is, this is a little next level in terms of know-how, but you can use information that you're gathering in that pixel to drive incredible engagement. And, I, and I'm gonna say valuable opportunities yes. for the people that you're trying to reach. Yes. Um, this was true last year as well. Like Facebook pixel in particular has been incredibly powerful for a long time, but it's widely underutilized. Yep. Um, people are scared of it because of what the news media is presenting about Facebook Yes, and, you know, Russian hackers and election, you know, yep. all that stuff. But like from a church and ministry perspective, if people are hitting your website or they're viewing your online church service and you're not engaging them specifically as an online church viewer yep. through social media, you're missing a huge opportunity. Yes. And so I think, I think this is the year where that as a concept really begins to catch on. and and drive people's uh, effectiveness forward okay okay i'm trying to think how we can even define whether you're right or wrong at the end of 2020 around this i I, so i think i was thinking about that one of the ways that you can define so you look at your current technology stack and what i mean is if you have a website you're probably using google analytics should be using google tag manager Do you have like SEM Rush or Moz or some SEO tool? Yeah. Like that, all of those pieces are part of your stack. Yep. Uh, I, I believe that that stack will grow in 2020. And I think that's, um, and a lot of these are paid mm-hmm. services. So you're paying yep. like 15, 20, $40 a month for whatever yep. these services offer. Yeah. But if you start to knit together a stack that has, um, these different pieces playing a role, like yes. they all play individual roles. Yep. The collective uh, impact of that stack is what I'm talking about. I think that mm. I think people are going to 
in the ministry space are going to start talking more about technology stack and about these services as part of their stack yep. uh, in the year to come. And so that's how I would measure yeah, it. It's like, good. is that increasing? That's a good word. That's a good, because generally, and if, if I understand, maybe the opposite is that churches want just an all-in-one simple, uh, we don't want to get into that complexity. That's too complicated. So uh, I don't know if you saw who posted this originally. Kenny, Kenny Jang posted on Facebook this week about vanity metrics. Yes. You were in, I you were in on that. I don't know that I was in on it. I should tag you in it. Okay. Uh, he said, it's a shame how people accept vanity metrics as life change or something along yep. those lines. And I commented on it. Brady Shear commented on it. Yeah. Justin Dean was in there. There's a lot of people that have either been on this program or that people know and follow. Yeah. It was a, it was a robust conversation. Yeah. And a lot of like go back and attempt to clarify and clarify again. Uh, if you don't have a marketing stack that starts to look at um, – people as people and understanding that uh, you're measuring people's actions towards life change appropriately. Yep. So if you're not doing that, what happens is you start to accept lesser metrics as being meaningful. And I yep. think that, well, I think it's unnecessary. I think there's a whole conversation we could have about whether or not that's right or wrong. Yep. Let, let me give you and our listeners an example. If you're asking somebody to make a commitment to follow Jesus on your website mm -hmm. and you're not doing the hard work to measure individual people uh, that are interacting with that action item or that call to action yep. for the first time. Um, and instead you're counting something like page views. Yep. How many times did the, the confirmation page load? You'll be grossly overcounting. counting. Yep. Um, I, I'm auditing a ministry right now and uh, it's somewhere between 10 and a hundred times uh, a factor of 100 that they're over counting ministry results just because wow. they're not being sophisticated in their measurement. Yes. Yes. Um, that, that also could be a whole episode. <laughs> oh, dude, I love that. I love that. Um, man, and it's not, good. I just, I want to make sure I'm clear. Yes. It's not intentional. It's just, yes. it's just lack of understanding and digging into it. 100%. And that can be, that can be very dangerous. Yep. I a hundred percent agree with that. Um, okay. Let's make a prediction moving to the social media side around that kind of data conversation. TikTok, TikTok yeah. is in some hot water, hot water around data. Do you think the end of 2019 TikTok will rise, will fall, will crash, will flatline? What, what's your prediction for TikTok in 20, I say 2019, 2020. TikTok's uh, core functionality gets copied by Facebook in 2020 and disappears as a platform. By the end of 2020? Yeah. Well, it might not like be gone. Like you can yeah. still access MySpace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's Do you think it will be surpassed by a Facebook platform, whether that's Facebook yeah. or Instagram, but uh, Facebook will have copied it and it will be almost as if it's non-existent. Absolutely. Ah, that's a that's a good prediction. Good prediction. What do you think about TikTok? I I think that will happen in 2021. I think TikTok will continue to grow in 20, 2020. I think the rate of growth will probably lessen a little bit, uh, but I think it will continue to grow. I think Facebook will copy it in 2020, but it will not surpass TikTok until 2021. Uh, so I agree with the prediction. I think it's going to take longer than 
one year though for that lifespan uh, to to shift. So let me let me ask you uh, to make a prediction. Yes. Uh, TikTok is winning because of young people. Yep. Teenagers, you know, thirteen to to eighteen. Yes. What replaces TikTok and that teen interest in social media? And maybe we don't know the company yet, but what's the like the functionality or the action that replaces that whole? It's a good question. That, that phase. I, you know, I don't know. I, I think that's the exciting part of social media. There, there's a social network called Block One that I'm intrigued by, which is built on the blockchain. Um, that's going to be opened up uh, on Valentine's Day this year. I'm intrigued by what that will look like. I am. Um, I, I think Snapchat could have a resurgence. Now, Snapchat is still popular with Whoa. teenagers. Um, but, but I think Snapchat could have a resurgence and, uh, because of and, TikTok's downfall. Yes. I ah, think Snapchat could integrate TikTok, uh, you know, functionality and kind of be that all in one teenage platform, Instagram, Facebook adopts it and uses that functionality for the masses. You know, I, I, it, it is so what can happen in the world of social media and how fast it can happen is so exciting. And that's what keeps this podcast interesting uh, in our world. I don't, I don't have a prediction for that though. Um, but I, I don't think TikTok will die that fast. Uh, but I do think that this data issue, uh, I think people are going to continue to pay more attention to their data. And I think it's a serious issue and I think it's really important. And so I think, uh, and I think churches, need to pay a lot more attention to data. And I think that's at the core of your technology stack uh, suggestion. And so I, if I were to say it, it's the year of this for the church, um, I would say it's the year of YouTube for the church. I think churches are going to oh, yeah. reach YouTube in a very significant way this year. And I think it's, I think where Instagram and podcasting was maybe the 2020, or 2019, I think YouTube will be the platform of 2020 that we see mass adoption with. With the, Now, I say that mass investment in for the church. I think most churches are already on YouTube, but I think they're at best tinkering on YouTube. I think we're going to see a significant investment in YouTube like we are seeing right now with Instagram. So that's yeah, my prediction. I, I agree 100% about the YouTube comment. I wish we could disagree, man. We got to find something we really disagree on. Um, well, we disagreed about the the home speaker last year. Um, it's true. It's but, true. But uh, the one of the uh, I think we spent too things, much time with each other. We're thinking we're thinking alike now. One of the, one of the things I'm really excited about with this move back to Bozeman for our family is that um, just on the church and ministry side, you know, I'm I'm working with our church to help build a digital ministry team. Um, they're already live streaming uh, services on the weekend, and we're seeing like 50% of the people that show up. Yeah. That's like 1,200 people at our church yeah. uh, every weekend, but another 600 are joining online. And we're moving them uh, wow. to a dual stream type of setup where it's church online platform and it's YouTube streaming. Yeah. Um, and then really building a team around engaging people in ministry yeah. uh, on that digital channel and helping the church understand that this is not. Uh, a lead audience that you bring into the service necessarily that it is its own campus. It's an online campus. And so some of that stuff has been really fun to be maybe a bit more progressive on the digital ministry side from a place like Bozeman, Montana, which is, you know, traditional when it comes to church format. So, 
It's fun, man. It's fun. 2020 is going to be a good year. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for PFL. I'm excited for social media church and all that's ahead. Nick, I appreciate the investment you've made in this community um, and, and being a part of these conversations. You'll obviously be a regular here on the podcast in the future years. Anything you want to share with our listeners before we wrap up this podcast? Yeah, I just, I love this listening audience. And uh, I think any way that I can, you know, continue to learn from them uh, in the future is definitely something that I'm going to be interested in pursuing. So yeah, thank you everybody for listening. And thank you, Nils, for just inviting me into this adventure. I've learned a ton about podcasting from you and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Well, man, thank you. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Go to socialmedia.church uh, for the show notes, and we appreciate so much you being part of this community. We'll talk to you on the next episode.